the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I don't know how the last few weeks have been for you, but for me they've been weeks in which it seemed like everything was going on at once. Every afternoon and evening had five or ten different options of where I ought to be or where I wanted to be. Um, One of the things I missed last week was a special conference for um, people from religious institutions and buildings and communities to talk about emergency preparedness. Um, I would have liked to have gone. I've been to a couple of those sorts of things before. And they're always helpful to um, get people thinking about what we would do if a disaster came. What would we do if we lost power again? Uh, What would we do in the eventuality of, think of any disaster? Maybe some of you have done some of this um, in your own apartments and homes. Maybe you have an emergency kit already with a, a flashlight and some water and some power bars and whatever else you might need. Thinking about uh, preparing for an emergency made me think about uh, the times in which we live, the, the readings that we've just heard, um, how we prepare spiritually in times that are tricky and trying. Whether we read the news or listen to the scriptures appointed for today, it can feel like the world is rushing toward a crazy ending. As waters rise, as truth is twisted, as those things and institutions and people we once trusted uh, betray us and leave us hanging and wondering where to look for truth. Jesus is speaking in such a climate in his day. Uh, Scholars and theologians say that around the first century of the common era when Jesus is believed to to have been living and preaching and moving around, there was a heightened sense of the apocalyptic, a a heightened sense that God was somehow, someway bringing history to a close and that the world as we now see it and know it was about to end and some new world begun. Depending on one's faith, one could read those changes in a variety of ways, and we, we can do the same in our own day. Jesus warns those of his day that there will be the, the shams and the hucksters who make money off the anxiety of the day. And we can see them in our own day, those who would have us follow them down this road or down that road or send this amount of money for for healing and calm and something to make us feel better. The disciples are with Jesus and they look at the temple and Jesus says the day will come when even this temple, the symbol of all that remains true and holy for a Jewish people, Jesus says the day will come when not one stone will be left upon another and all will be thrown down. Well, the disciples hear this and they begin to put the pieces together and they get alarmed. Perhaps some think Jesus is going to storm the temple and take it and bring it down. Or or maybe they think Jesus is predicting some natural disaster or calamity. 
And so the disciples ask him, Teacher, when will this be? How will we know that this is about to happen? But then Jesus slows things down. He warns them about those who will come and take advantage of this, uh, this heightened sense of anxiety for final days. Some will make the most out of the sense of impending calamity and do what they can to exploit fear. Some will say the time is near, Jesus cautions, and others will say wars and insurrections are coming. But in the face of all this, especially in the face of all this, Jesus says, do not be terrified. Do not fear. Because certain things will happen along the way. In classic language of end times, language that could have been from parts of Isaiah or Daniel or Enoch or John the Baptist or John the Divine, Jesus says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes and plagues. But in the face of all of this, Jesus says, remain calm. Remain calm. Updated for our day, Jesus would say, breathe. Notice where your feet are. Don't plan beforehand. Don't overthink it. Don't anticipate the anxiety. Why feel it twice? Even if bad things come, you'll feel it then. Why feel it ahead of time? Trust in God, Jesus says. Trust in me, Jesus says. Not a hair of your head will perish. I can imagine the disciples saying, well, that's not quite true because Stephen is about to be persecuted and John the Baptist killed and many others along the way will die for their faith. But Jesus is talking about something that transcends the current moment. Jesus is talking about faith that lasts, faith that persists, faith that keeps us going. At the end of today's gospel, there's an important word. Jesus says, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. By enduring, that is simply living out each day after day, living out our faith, getting up in the morning, saying our prayers when we remember, loving our families and friends as much as we can, going through the activities of the day with as much faith and trust in Jesus as we can muster. This prepares us. This is our practice. This gets us ready for whatever comes our way. Jesus counsels we shouldn't overplan the response to the future, and yet he models how we can prepare. As we too live in tumultuous times, perhaps we can carry around our own spiritual survival kit, our readiness, our preparedness, emergency plan spiritually. I don't know what you might want to put into yours. As I've thought about it this week, I've thought of at least four things that are a part of my spiritual emergency kit. Um, Prayer, practice, a place or two, and people. A prayer is a good thing to have on hand. (laughs) 
A prayer memorized and known that's, that's living in your heart and on your lips. Maybe it's as simple as the Lord's Prayer that many of us learned as a child. Maybe it's some favorite prayer from the Book of Common Prayer or another place. Maybe it's a prayer you write or come up with. Whatever it is, it's, it's words that are at the ready. And so they can be used as a kind of calming mantra in the face of anxiety or worry. You might choose something like the the traditional Jesus prayer, that prayer that prays, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Orthodox pray that prayer over and over and over again as they finger knots on a robe or a string. Or maybe you're uh, traditional in another way and you pray the Ave Maria or a part of the rosary or, or maybe just that incredibly simple prayer of saying to God, I'm here, you're here, thank you. Whatever it is, it's good to have a prayer to hang on to that, that sort of comes immediately to the tongue to, to give us something to say and pray in the face of danger or worry. A good spiritual emergency kit also, I think, includes a kind of practice of some kind, something you can do that your body just knows and remembers and clicks into, that you don't have to really practice ahead of time, but you know it so well that it calms you down and puts you back into your own spiritual zone of comfort. It might be something like yoga or, or meditation or, or praying the daily office, morning or evening prayer or noonday prayer. It might be getting on your bike and riding. It might be another kind of exercise or, or a walk or a walk with a dog. A friend of mine has her own practice. Whenever there's danger or worry, she schedules a massage. That does the trick. Even knowing it's on the calendar gets her through whatever she has to do, and then she's good to go, at least for a while afterwards. After that, she can worry and plan and recover and deal with whatever the problem may be. But she's got a little more to work with because of this practice that steadies and roots her. A place can be a holy and grounding lifesaver, A place like this, or maybe another holy place near where you work or live, if this isn't it. It might be a chapel and a cathedral or a garden or a particular stretch of the city or or maybe just a special chair or a special corner. Whatever it is, it's a place that you can return to, a place where you can center, a place where you can spiritually reset and finally, I think a spiritual emergency kit includes the, the phone number or the text or the, the way of getting in touch with a person or maybe several people. Because sometimes some of those other aspects of the spiritual survival kit might not come through as quickly. And so sometimes we need other people. It's like the old story about a a little girl who who couldn't go to sleep. And when her parents uh, went to her and said, what's wrong? And she said, "Um, you know, I can't sleep. And they said, well, you know, God cares for you and God loves you and God's looking after you. And she said, yes, but I need God with skin on. Sometimes we need God with skin on. And so we shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes in asking, we end up giving more help than getting. But that's a part of the magic of it as well. 
in just a few minutes during the operatory, the choir will sing um, the Beatus Vir by Antonio Vivaldi. Many of us met Vivaldi perhaps first through the Four Seasons or the Gloria that will begin to be sung and played a lot as we move into the holidays. Um, I remember being vaguely aware of Vivaldi perhaps. Um, And then in 1981, there was a movie, The Four Seasons. It was with Alan Alda and Carol Burnett and Rita Moreno, all sorts of good people. And I remember that movie clicking for me. It was 1981. I was a junior in high school and nothing felt solid for me. And so I was able to watch this movie and notice how the whole movie was organized by seasons. And so the music of Vivaldi played throughout, and you could begin to notice that there were certain themes and certain notes that that carried through. I've since learned that Vivaldi had faith that sort of carried him through the music and the seasons of his life. For almost 38 years, he taught at an orphanage. He composed there... As a child, he learned to play the violin. He wanted to play wind instruments, but he had a severe form of asthma and so couldn't keep his breath together and couldn't carry through. So he stuck to the violin and other instruments. He was ordained a priest, but had to give that practice of the priesthood up because he couldn't keep his breath sustained enough to do a sermon or celebrate mass. And so he labored through with raspy voice and getting dizzy because he couldn't gather his breath. And he continued to compose. He was wildly popular for a time and then lost favor. Younger composers came along. His patrons vanished. And Vivaldi died uh, without much family and in poverty. Through it all, he kept his faith. Through it all, those notes that I heard through the four seasons carried him through the four seasons of his life. For Vivaldi, no doubt, music was a part of his spiritual survival kit. Maybe it's a part of yours. It's certainly a part of mine. But it reminds me to take some time to, to figure out what it is that sustains me, that, that puts me back in touch with God. That thing or those things that I can have in my pocket and have in my heart So that when worry comes, when struggle comes, when fear comes, when any disaster might come, I'm covered and I'm connected, knowing that the Holy Spirit never leaves us, but carries us through. May we each of us gather close the tools we need to endure in faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 